Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Anna. And I'm Kate. On today's podcast, I spoke to Hayley Fisher of Adyen about uh, some of the changes we're seeing in the market, in particular around e-commerce and um, universities. Uh, really interesting conversation, I think quite topical for what we're seeing in the market at the moment and that significant shift to e-commerce that we've seen through the pandemic in particular. And we also spoke quite a bit about the consumer of tomorrow, the customer of tomorrow, and how their needs and their expectations are going to be quite different to what we've seen so far. So um, really topical, really interesting conversation, um, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully our listeners get a lot out of it. It's interesting with the, the growth in e-commerce, thinking about with the pandemic, people spend shifting to online, because I know that's something we've been looking at with RFI research around uh, in, I think it was in May last year, we saw the average number of purchases Australians were making online increase, but it's actually stabilised. So it's around the same average number, uh, even post you know, the peak of the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic. So it seems that e-commerce is going to become more important or just maintain importance that potentially increased with last year, less in-person shopping, but also maybe customers realising there's a bit of a preference there. It means they can, if they're working from home, it's a bit easier if you get things delivered to your house, uh, but definitely topical conversation. And I think our listeners will enjoy this. So let's have a listen. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, we're joined by Hayley Fisher, Country Manager for Australia New Zealand uh, for Adian. Um, Hayley, welcome to the podcast. Oh, hi, Kate. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. So we've got a couple of topics that we'll be covering off, um, talking about some of the changing consumer behaviour that we're seeing, the rise of e-commerce, talking about unified commerce as well. Um, Really interesting topics and I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. But why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I'm Hayley Fisher and I'm the country manager for Australia and New Zealand at Adyen. And I've been at Adyen for just over three years and previously heading up commercial partnerships. So working with our payment method partners across New Zealand and Australia. Uh, Prior to Adyen, I've spent the last 15 years in commercial and leadership roles, working for payment companies and also platform companies, both here in Australia, the UK and the US. And now I have the fortunate role to lead and grow the Adyen Australia New Zealand team. And we're fully focused on helping Australian and New Zealand merchants grow their businesses. Great. And for those who maybe aren't so familiar with Adyen, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Adyen does and and in particular the problem that Adyen is solving for your customers? Sure. So we are the payments platform of choice. So for um, many of the world's leading companies, And what we do is we provide a modern end-to-end infrastructure. So our platform connects directly into Visa and MasterCard and all consumers' globally preferred payment methods. And we help enterprise merchants deliver payments across online, mobile, and in-store. And whether that's Australian retailers, including Lorna Jane, Aesop, and Kogan, but also global merchants, including merchants like Facebook, Uber, and Spotify. Um, And we solve a number of challenges for merchants, but a a key one that we're solving is providing merchants a singular view of their customer, regardless of the channel, regardless of the country. And this really just gives merchants a rich data insight and view of their customers. And this means that they can better meet their customers' expectations, whether it's 
providing loyalty, whether it's helping them buy online and return in store, just facilitating um, anything regarding terms of payments to help them grow and understand their business better. I think at the moment, that's just so important, having that complete view of customer, having the right data to be able to, to meet your customers' needs as well. And we'll uh, definitely get into that. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on, on that piece. But um, what I did want to start off with was, was just, a, I guess, stepping back a little bit and thinking about some of the changes that we're seeing at the moment, this ex massive explosion in online shopping that we've seen really accelerated by the pandemic. Um, I'd be curious to know, how do you think that has impacted on customers' expectations of e-commerce? How have they changed as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, I think it's fascinating in terms of the data, in terms of e-commerce spending here in Australia. So we've seen the latest data by the ABS. A record of $44.2 billion was spent online in August alone. And that's one of the highest, I think it's the highest record or the biggest number they've seen since they started tracking it. So um, Australians are loving to spend online and we absolutely expect that to continue as well. Um, we think one of the expectations is when they move online and they stay online, we think retailers need to think about how they are engaging with their shoppers and what they can expect from the brand. And if we also think about that, so when shoppers start returning in store, are they receiving that same experience in store that they're having online? And I think we can all, you know, we can all appreciate that consumers are starved for contact, right? So we're, we're all expecting a little bit of more personalization. We're spending more customized experience when we're shopping online. Um, and we think that's absolutely set to continue. That's such a great point that we're now having our expectations set by digital rather than the other way around. And, and the expectations customers have their favorite source is going to continue regardless of how they shop with them. But yeah, increasingly it's going to be sort of digital first, um, personalized, um, and then how do you, you know, get that through to an in-store experience? And maybe customers will be happy to do everything online going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love when you think about the other way as well. So when you're buying online, then you go in store. It's like, can I pay with the same payment method that I've used online? Can I ensure that I'm capturing my loyal data so I'm being recognized and I get those points, et cetera? So having that seamless one view is the expectation consumers have. So I think that's the role of, um, retailers and also payment providers to to help merchants to solve that. Yeah, absolutely. That that way that payment preference changes between different channels is, is interesting as well. We see that a lot in our data, the customers, I think, are generally just looking for the payment method that's the most convenient. And when they're online, that's actually a different payment method to when they're in store. So that's going to change um, you know, the way the customers interact with merchants, the way that they pay as well. Absolutely. The other side of this, I guess, is what are the, the pain points for customers at the moment when we're talking about e-commerce? So we have seen this rapid ex explosion. As you said, Australians really love to shop online, but what are the pain points in the experience at the moment that, um, that you're helping to solve for customers? I, I think it's that pain point of merchants need to be able to automate the customer experience and payment processes, right? So all the stuff also we don't see in the back end that retailers are doing. Um, a couple of examples are some of the quick service restaurants that we're working with. So Hungry Jacks and Grilled. So they updated their point of sale terminal and it helped basically to unify and really connect the in-store and the online channel. So if you think about customers now skipping the queue because they're using the mobile app to purchase things, um, they're redeeming their promotions or loyalty through the app. 
And you can use that app when you're going in store to basically get your option to check out and show your reference number. So I think it's connecting all of the dots for online, in-store, in-app. And I think the pain point is for for merchants to try and figure that out and connect those dots. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we're really focused on and being able to help merchants to be able to do. You've, you've mentioned loyalty a few times and I'm, I'm sort of curious to get your thoughts on that because I think it's such an important point um, and we're seeing just increasingly this idea of, of loyalty you know, in banking, in payments, in, in um, e-commerce has become more and more important. Is that a key challenge for merchants at the moment to bring all of those data points together and to really make sure that they're rewarding customers for that loyalty? And, and I guess also how important is it that merchants are solving that part of the, the puzzle for customers? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's really important for merchants to solve it because think of us as consumers. We don't carry around those loyalty cards. We used to get those pieces of plastic and you'd open up your wallet and you'd have 10 different loyalty cards that you'd need to pull out and tap. Um, As consumers, we expect it to be seamless. We would like, um, based on our basically our card data or our phone number for the loyalty to be linked so we don't have to pull out that card or think about it. And I think that is a challenge for retailers to be able to connect to that um and then a, you know, another a great example of grilled doing this so um i've been able to just track that loyalty and being able to recognize their customers so um i think there's a long way for to, to i think a long way for retailers to go to be able to connect that um but for the other companies to be able to help them there there's an a, there's a key opportunity yeah i think what we're hearing more and more you mentioned personalization before we we definitely hear that a lot uh, at RFI as well, this idea of customers are, are sort of aware of the amount of data that they give up on themselves and, and the extent to which these other companies have data on them, but um, maybe aren't using it in the best way, or maybe, you know, if you are going to, to take all of this data on me, what do I get back from it? What's the, the benefit to me? And I think loyalty is one of those key ones where there's a real, as you said, a real opportunity, a real advantage for those, those companies, merchants, banks, whoever they may be, who are able to really harness that data and use it appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can have that data all in one platform and having that one view of the customer, regardless of channel, that's a lot of power in that data to be able to customize that experience, whether that is loyalties or promotions or upsell, et cetera. So yeah, there's a huge amount of opportunity. Hmm. And what do you think the key challenges are in, in this space at the moment? You've spoken about sort of loyalty and data. Is that the key challenge that you think is facing the the industry, facing e-commerce? Are there other things that we need to be thinking about? Yeah, I think it's still coming down to meeting that customer expectation. So trying to stay ahead of what those customers would like and how they'd like to have their shopper experience. Um, Other things we think about is in terms of adopting new technology. So whether that's using things like a pay-by-link, um, whether that's using a QR code in store, consumers all want to do, uh, they all want to pay the way that they want to pay, um, the way and the method they want to pay, whether that's via app or online or in store. Um, and I think that's one of the challenges that we need to ensure that we're meeting and meeting for retailers. Yeah, giving customers choice, I think, is quite a, an important one. Um, the other question I have just around sort of e-commerce and how we're seeing Australian shoppers change, and I think we're probably seeing this, this globally as well, this shift towards digital. Um, but how do you how different is the customer of tomorrow going to be the shopper of tomorrow? Will they be radically different to to you know how we how we pay and how we shop at the moment? Um, and to what extent do do businesses really be needing to prepare for that? 
Yeah, I think this I think this goes along with the um, moving into a cashless society, right? So moving over to more mobile powered digital checkouts. So one of the trends that we're seeing is, you know, the, obviously the rise of the super apps like Alipay and WeChat Pay, who are moving into a super app that offer consumers a whole wide range of services, not just payments. Um, but we've seen that drive here in Australia with the rise of the QR code payment method, which we'll expect to see a lot more as well. So um, I think the shopper and the shopper of the future is more savvy and it's been able to give them the options of the way that they want to pay and the method they want to use. QR code is one that comes up a lot for us internally as well, whether we've seen it just explode in Asian markets and, and not really take off in Australia. But you, you have to think that as we've just gone through 12 months of everyone sign, uh, signing in with QR codes all the time, that maybe that will change customer behavior and expectations. And um, FBOS launching QR codes and having more information in a QR code, more payment experience, maybe that's the key to getting customers to start using QR codes. I'm curious if you've got any, any thoughts on, on whether QR codes will work in a market like Australia. Uh, I think we've seen great examples of QR codes working. So things like QR codes for pay at table. So a lot of the restaurants and bars using that now. And I think, as you said, with the Australian Payments Plus supporting the, um, the code to support QR codes across the three platforms going forwards, um, I think we'll see more and more examples of um, all different types of verticals using QR codes going forwards because it's been a we're going to become everyday it's everyday consumer behavior now um, yeah yeah it's, it's such a radical change i think um we kind of think yeah we're going more digital where we're doing things in, in different ways but the qr codes is is one that if you if you said to me two years ago well consumers in australia use qr codes i would have said absolutely not but we're in a, a very different <laughs> position now i think yeah, absolutely. I think we changed. I think we changed a lot of views from two years ago to now, right? We have, haven't we? Um, the the other topic I really wanted to get into is is unified commerce. Can you talk a little bit about what unified commerce commerce is uh, and how it changes the payment experience for customers and merchants? And I've touched on this a little bit already, but maybe for for listeners who who maybe don't know what that term means, um, could you give a bit of an overview for us. Absolutely, Kate. And unified commerce is our favourite term. So we talk about this all the time. So, I mean, some of our research has shown that merchants who have unified commerce, which is the ability to bring together payments in store, online and in app and see all that data in one platform in one singular view. Um, those merchants are becoming more resilient to changing shopper regulations and consumer expectations. So having that unified commerce view, one view of the customer is giving really ditch, uh, deep and actionable insights to allow merchants to really deliver better consumer experiences. And, you know, we've seen just phenomenal examples of merchants using that and really just raising the consumer experience. I think the, the follow-up to that, of course, is, is this something that customers are going to start to expect from merchants? I would say yes, because as a consumer, we we want to see that singular experience, right? We do, we shouldn't, we aren't, let me rephrase that. <laughs> um, we absolutely would accept. As a consumer, we expect to have the same experience online or in store. And why shouldn't we expect that? So I think that's the challenge for merchants and retailers to be able to offer that um, and really be consistent um, across the offering. 
And do you think the pandemic has has played into that or is this, yeah, maybe it's what we've seen with some of the other trends at the moment, it's an acceleration of something that was already there um, or do you think it you know, has, yeah, has the pandemic had any impact on this? Yeah, I think it absolutely has. We think about um, from the Adyen side, we look at, at merchants who had a, you know, initial or only uh, channel is in store. And then those merchants needing to quickly adapt to having an online offering or in-app offering. So being able to have that unified to be able to still transact and engage with consumers during the lockdown, I think that behavior has absolutely changed. Um, a, a great example of our, a great example is our merchant Inku. So during the lockdowns, they launched um, a product that we offer called Pay by Link which is a seamless way to create a link. And you can use that link to transact, engage with a consumer, whether that's on an email or a social channel and allow the consumer to easily pay using any of the payment methods they choose to complete the transaction. So it meant that Inku still got to engage with their customers during this time, whether it's social, et cetera, and being able to keep transacting. And we've seen that type of technology, which, um, had a great uptake during the pandemic, but is still being used now by lots of merchants. So it isn't something that was just used that time. It's something that they added and now they keep using, you know, outside and post-pandemic as well. And, and that omni-channel element has become so much more important at the moment as we're all still doing things digitally, but trying to get back to, to in-person as well, I imagine. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned loyalty a few times, but how does unified commerce help to create greater customer loyalty? So unified commerce, is, it's giving you that one view of the customer. So if your customer is shopping across all channels, a great example of if your customer is shopping online and then in store, you'd be able to use the rich data to be able to see that a customer may be spending more when they shop online compared with in store. So therefore, they're tracked by using their card and then you could be able to target them in terms of promotions, et cetera, for you know, specifically online promotions. Um, but it's really just giving the, the merchants and the retailers that data to decide how they want to use that loyalty um, and engage with their customers. But it really just gives them the data and the platform to use how they, how they like. We all know data is the new oil, so you can't you can't have enough data at the moment. <laughs> I guess the next challenge becomes how do you make sure you're using that data correctly and appropriately to, to drive the right customer outcomes? But the first step, of course, is getting the data. Absolutely. Uh, and you mentioned you mentioned one before, but um, also just curious to, to know about best practice examples you've seen of customers, sorry, of businesses using unified commerce to deliver better customer solutions. Um, and, and maybe also in, in other markets, is there anything you've seen where this has really worked and really delivered a, a great customer outcome, um, either for the merchant or, or for their end customer? Yeah, a great example, I think, would using the Hungry Jacks example as well. So being able to bring online, in-store, in-app, um, all connecting and basically unifying all their sales channels um, and all of that data. So Hungry Jacks can recognize that customer when they use the same payment method in store to online and be able to target that way. So um, it also just means if you're having online, if you're having in-store connecting, it means quicker processing and authorization rates using you know, up-to-date uh, and modern POS terminals, et cetera. Um, and it just really just empowers merchants to be able to have that connection. 
And I guess what I, I might, um, might, might end with is, is just talking a little bit about any predictions that you have for the next couple of years around um, e-commerce, around unified commerce. Um, is there anything that you're expecting to see or anything that we should really be watching for in terms of changing customer behaviour, in terms of how merchants are using data? What are your key predictions for the next couple of years? Yeah, I think it's, we always go back to what we think with the consumers, right? So um, we think the big driver is also things um, in terms of the traditional checkout disappearing. So we see the drive of QR codes. Um, we see the drive of kiosks being used for quick service restaurants. Um, other things we think we see was with stores turning into experience centers. So you're going in to try um, try things, whether it's hardware, etc., um, and then it's being delivered to your house. Um, and I think consumers want to use those experience centers to go in and touch and feel, but they may want to buy online. Um, mm. And then, and then we talk about the rise of all the alternate payment methods, right? So um, obviously, Visa, Mastercard, etc. But we see the rise of the buy now, pay later's, the digital wallets, um, and we'll expect to see that from you know. We expect that to continue for sure. Yeah, buy now later is, is one we talk about a lot, um, and I think we're we're having a conversation recently. I think that there's a we're starting to get to that point where buy now later isn't something new and alternative anymore. It's something mm -hmm. that merchants have to offer. It's something customers expect. It, it's maybe not so different to what we you know. It's not a completely different payment method anymore. It's something that customers are pretty comfortable with, um, and is maybe we could consider it just another way to pay. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. What I will end on is, is just, is there anything you can share around Adian's plans for the next 12 to 18 months? Anything we should be looking out for? No, I think I'll just go back to the original message, which we think that um, in order to meet the uh, consumer's expectations, it's that unified commerce view. So encourage retailers and merchants to really think about how they can um, tailor their payments options and services uh, to meet those customer needs and having that data and optimize it that way. Yeah, I think it's, it's just so important at the moment to be hyper-personalized, to be collecting data, to be using it appropriately. I think all of all of the points you've raised, I think really ring true um, for me in terms of what I'm seeing in the industry and what yeah, even as a customer I'm, I'm experiencing and starting to expect as well. Great, agreed. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks, Kate. Lovely to be here. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Global Digital Banker podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean.